A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're about to listen to an interview which our socios enjoyed in full 12 months ago. If you'd like to listen to these exclusive monthly big interviews on the day that they're released, it's time to join us. That means supporting us. It means the price of a pint per month. Go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Graham Hunter. Go now, join and become a socio. That means you'll get that extra big interview every month. And you'll also unlock our entire archive straight away. All for £2.99 a month. It's the best deal in town, baby. And we need you. Welcome to the big interview. I'm Graham Hunter. Welcome to the show. I went back to Derby County's training ground recently to speak to Shea Given. He's part of Frank Lampard's coaching staff, along with Jody Morris. And you can all see for yourselves that things are going well. A talented trio, a talented team. I first met Shea uh, behind the scenes at Michael Carrick's testimonial at Old Trafford, liked him. And the fact that he was a top-class goalkeeper for so many years, for several different clubs, and also played elite international football for Ireland, allied to the fact that he's got an interesting life, is a characterful, funny, articulate man, meant big interview guest. Um... Not on the same subject exactly, but we have beautiful sponsors. Bet365 have sent this question in for you. Mm-hmm. And it's an, it's, I guess it's an easy one, a really easy one. What's the toughest or worst part of being a goalkeeper? The toughest or worst part? It's probably the loneliness of it, of when you make a mistake, the loneliness of just you there on your own and, 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 and thinking, you know, I should have saved that or whatever you've let... Your team down. We're talking about the fans before. You feel like you've. Well, this is me personally. You feel like you've yeah. let the fans down, the club down, the owners. You you feel like you're responsible. You know to 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 what's just happened. You know, and, and the thing is, early part of my career, I struggled with with dealing with mistakes, and 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 I took it on board myself to get a sports psychologist that, to help me with that. But you know, it, it is a lonely position, and then you might not touch the ball for another twenty minutes after that because that's just the position you're in. Whereas if you I don't know, you, it always gets me as the commentators, for example, would say, you know, a striker's gone through and he's missed a chance or a cross come in and he's toe poked it wide. And the, the, the natural reply from a commentator, most commentators, oh, he was unlucky there, he'll get the next one. Whereas if you flip it to the other side, a goalkeeper is like, if it goes through your hands or through your legs, whatever, it's like, what, what the hell's he doing there? I mean, how how's he not stopped that? I mean, granny would have saved that. You know, it's just, there's no, it's black or white with the keeper, it's, you save it. Yeah, you're probably expected. A lot of the commentators, well, you're expected to save it. And if you don't, it's like, you know, what the hell is he doing? Whereas the other side of the pitch is like, is he expected to score? 
or he's, he'll get the next one he was unlucky do you know it's just a different outlook on it for Cabler yeah David yeah. Priest has been in this series and David didn't sort of play at your level but analytically he yeah. talks really well and yeah. educates all of us mm. about the art of goalkeeping and that idea about vocabulary I don't know why, why do you think it is mm. that through time immemorial the goalkeeper has when there's a problem situation or an error yeah. is kind of portrayed as a victim or somebody to be beaten whereas yeah, yeah. the striker is let off and there'll be there'll be gold around the corner yeah. there'll be jam tomorrow for yeah, the striker yeah. What, yeah, why yeah. is that idea built up and that vocabulary built I don't know up? if it's a mentality that is, is even go back to your school days, people would say, oh, we pick the team, and then the last two standing, oh, you two going goals. I don't know if there's a, there's a, I don't know, a mentality that, you know, the keepers, maybe the, the less talented than the rest of them, but I used to be the top goals from my school. I, I, I used to love playing up front. You know, I was, I was kind of crossed between playing out the fielder and goals. My dad said it should be a goalkeeper. He was a goalkeeper and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think, you know, people maybe later in life even think, still think that maybe we're not as talented as, as the outfield players, but... You look at Ederson now, you look at Kepa at Chelsea, you look at the amount of money he's played, the much would David De Gea be worth now, you know, Alisson's gone for 67 million to Liverpool, you look at the prices that are getting paid for, suddenly, in my opinion, there's been literally a wake-up call to all managers, all owners and all people around the world that, do you know what, yes, the striker might be the most important, but I'll tell you what, the second most important is the goalkeeper, because if you've got someone keeping them out, and especially now when you look at the styles of play that, for example, Man City with, with Ederson, how Pep Guardiola wants to set his team up. And you know, one of his most important players and his whole team. And, and you know, you talk about Aguero and all these flair players and Sterling and all these guys. But one of the main people in all this, his whole system is the goalkeeper. And, and that is critical. And, and what, what they paid for him now, you could say, is a bargain. They paid £35 million for him because he's been so good and, and so good with the ball at his feet as well. He literally is a, an 11th outfield player when they have the ball. And it's, it's, it's just remarkable, I feel, that it's taken so long for, for, for people to realise that. Well, uh, turning that around, I'm so glad you've taken I went, I went in a bit of a rant there, didn't I? No, 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 <laughs> because that was, that's the central part of what we wanted to talk to you about, because mm. whether it... Look, look, before we talk about breaking keepers down, whether you talk about De Gea or Alisson or Ederson... The British media predominantly say that the top three goalkeepers in the world are here. I think Neuer was. I think because of age and injury, that time's probably gone. I know that a lot of people here don't watch La Liga quite as much as they used to when it was on Sky, Mm -hmm. um, or as much as I do, because I live there. But if I look at Courtois, who's just come back, Kehler, who won three straight Champions League, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, who's a different kind of goalkeeper in that he's probably dimensioned like you... Whereas, you know, Ederson, Courtois are, are giants of men. Well, Ederson's not, I wouldn't disagree with Ederson's not, but Courtois for sure, yeah. Courtois is. Neuer, for sure. yeah, for sure. Neuer was. And also, I'd go through, and De Gea's height is gigantic, yeah. but like uh, Mark has terrific feet. He's a sweeper, mm-hmm. not just a sweeper keeper, he is, he is a sweeper. And if you keep going down the leagues and you look at David um, Soria or, or Neto at Valencia, and you add just those two countries without even going back to where Leno came from, and I, I, I've yet to learn enough about Leno. But you know, it'd be my contention that we're we're living in the golden age of goalkeeping mm. for any number of reasons. The number of candidates you can argue about about how to compose a top five around Europe, never mind the world, mm. is brutally hard. You can say, well, my team wants to play at this, therefore he's better than him because of our brand of football. Fine, okay, mm. one. Who are the guys 
that are your that have your preference for whatever reason you want to say and two why is it that we've come to this golden what has the level of goalkeepers across a broad spectrum gone up I think the position has changed over the years and especially in recent years and, and maybe that's why maybe the goalkeepers are more in the in the spotlight to a certain degree because the transfer fees for one you know 60, 70 million for a goalkeeper now you, you know, when when would it, I don't know even I know the, the the transfer fee's gone mad probably in the last four or five years but even even I don't know 10 years ago if you spent 6 or 7 million pound on a goalkeeper you'd be like my God, that's a crazy amount of money to spend on a goalkeeper. Like, are you sure we, we don't need an or striker? Do you know what I mean? We'll get someone in a free or something in goals. But I think, as I said, I've already said, but there's, there's a realisation that this is a hugely important position for, for the whole team. And, and the way we want to play, I mean, I'll go back to Man City, the way they want to play, you know, Liverpool, Klopp as well, you could argue. I mean, I'm talking about Premier League clubs because, as you say, I don't see. I mean, I know there's all black as well at Atletico. You, you didn't mention who's a, a phenomenal goalkeeper. He, he might be my number one, right? Yeah, now. yeah. In, in what I would consider pure goalkeeping, the art of stopping goals. Yeah. When it comes to playing with the feet, then it's a broader discussion. I would yeah, need yeah. your input. But all black, but that, that's a, a case to be number one. Yeah, everyone, everyone has a different thing. So Pep Guardiola might think the number one box you need to take is how good is he with the ball at his feet, right? Okay, Ederson is, is probably, for me, the, the best maybe in the world. His composure with the ball at his feet, his thing way. Then you go... Who's the best shot stopper? Now you would say maybe David De Gea or you, you mentioned All Black. They could be two of the best shot stoppers. But Pep Guardiola might be sitting in this chair and thinking, yeah, they're, they're fantastic shot stoppers. But I want them to be better with the ball at defeat. I want them to be the eleven player when we have the ball. You know, Ederson last week was playing in midfield. He had a one-two with Fernandinho in midfield last week, which was funny, but but actually sums up how comfortable he is with the ball at his feet. And I think even, I'm not sure which Man City player this year was quoted as saying, the best passer of the ball at the football club is Ederson, which is, you think of the talent they have at Man City. So it's very difficult, I think, for any individual, even a goalkeeping expert, and I'm certainly not one of them, to sit in any room, they say who's the best goalkeeper in the world, because I think it's, it's who's the manager, what manager at that club and what, do you know what I mean? Oh, What's like play. Simeone at yeah. Atletico would be like, well, I wouldn't change all black way any keeper in the world. There's no way he'd you know ever I mean? allow Ederson to do that. He'd never sign him. That's, That's what I mean. anathema to George yeah. Simeone. You're right. So, and Pep Guardiola might say, well, all black's not good enough for me with the ball at his feet. That's, yeah. So it's, it's difficult for anyone to be at the top of the pyramid and, and on every single person's eyes. And that's a good thing about football, not just goalkeepers, but everyone has a different opinion. But when, when we look at... My contention... I mean, I agree with everything that you've said. Now, my contention would be that there's never been a time when there's such a wide range of absolute excellence. And maybe there's a simple answer, but I'm fishing for it. <laughs> Full-time one-on-one training every day rather than... Like, how I remember when Hodgson was coming through with, with Gorham at, at Rangers in Scotland... And one-on-one goalkeeper training was not necessarily the most common thing that yeah. existed. But he was regarded as, you know, a world guru, like Stedman and knee surgeon, yeah, whatever. Mad, yeah. And now every single club will dedicate time yeah. to that. It's part of the central part of the work you do here at Derby. Yeah. You know, is, is one-on-one individual training every day the reason for it? Is it footballers saying, well, there's more to my job as a goalkeeper, therefore I have to expand my skills? Do you have a feeling for why the level is so high? Um, Across the industry, I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I think that obviously helps. If you've got a coach coaching you every single day, you know, I started my career at Glasgow Celtic and we had Joe Corrigan who came in on a Thursday. Ex-Manchester City. Yeah, ex-Manchester City goalkeeper came in on a Thursday and coached the keepers for one day a week. 
So if you take one day a week now till we're in here seven days a week, then naturally they're going to improve, get better. And also, I think the game's moved on, and then the actual position of being a goalkeeper has moved on. You know, we used to get the ball, and you'd be told to kick it down as far down the pitch as you can yeah. get it away from our goal type thing, you know. And if anybody looks to get the ball off you, push them up the pitch. You know, I used to get some horrendous back passes, and I would see names and numbers going the other way. There'd be no one giving me any option to show for it. And now you, you see, like, the likes of most teams... And even here at Derby, we, we encourage to play it from the back. So when the keeper gets it, he has should have, you know, three, four, maybe five options where where they play the ball. And I think that's good the way the game's moved on. When as the well. names and numbers are running away from you, mm. we don't need to name them, mm. but because they were because some footballers don't show. You know, no, I'm not having anything to do with that. Yeah. Or a coach says, never do that. Never pass it along the ball. You know, never take yeah, it. Yeah. What, what what was it in that situation? The culture was still get it long. Players would hide from the responsibility on a bumpy pitch. What, what? Yeah, probably the whole the whole coaching's moved on. Not just the goalkeeping coach, but the whole game's moved on so much now that you know, and, and, and in a sense, you know, people like Pep Guardiola and the likes have to take the credit for that because they've revolutionised the whole game of, of of keeping possession. And you know, we we do studies here, you know, analysts here and stuff about. You know, at times we kick the ball long sometimes because we just there's no options. The opposition have pressed really high. We can't get out. We've kicked the ball. And, and even maybe we five minutes to go, we're leading the game. We think, let's just kick it long, get up the pitch and, and squeeze it. But then we've put, a, we've put a stopwatch on the thing. We, and within nine, ten seconds, the ball's back, back in our box. It's back. You know, and it's mad. But you think, well, if we had a throw into the centre half and he had a play it there on number six and maybe back to the keeper and out the other side, it would be a lot longer if we can keep the ball. And it's just getting that mentality. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But from when you grew up, you're a lot younger than me, but when you grew up, yeah. there's a huge change of mentality. Oh, massive. Because you, you put your finger on it, and it's, it's really odd, because Neil and I were talking about this recently, as I was with a filmmaking partner, uh, Duncan, who made Take the Ball, Pass the Ball. Like, that it isn't that long ago hmm. that 
an advantage, an opportunity was to have the ball long. Yeah. I mean, I'm not talking about you know Jack Charlton. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not talking about Pomo, but I am talking about like when I began at Barcelona to see Frank Reichard first of all, and, and Pep Guardiola reinstitute uh, Cruyff principles about if we have a free kick or a corner. Put it down and take it to the, your nearest teammate. Mm. It isn't about how long can you put it or can you put the centre half under position. The majority of the times, we've got the ball. Put it down, take it. Put it down, and take it before the, the other team find it out. Yeah. If the other team is asleep, and at, at the start of it, you're like, "Well, why you've wasted a free kick? Yeah, that's right. You've yeah. wasted a minute. Well, you, you've not gained any. You're going back, but they've still got the ball. Yeah. It's not long ago that we were all being. Re- I can't speak for you. The broad football public was being totally re-educated by mm-hmm. that concept, and mm-hmm. now. We all live and breathe it when yeah. we talk about playing out from the back. Yeah, even even now at Derby, that we're here this year, obviously, and, and Gary Rout was here last year, and there's no no slant on what he did, but he was quite direct last year, wouldn't play out from the back, and we've we've tried to change a lot. And at times we'd, I don't know, centre half would come back to the goalkeeper, and, and there'd be a few moans and groans around the crowd because thinking, why aren't we getting the ball forward? Yeah. But you know that's that comes from different managers, different styles of play, and and and. Not educating the Derby fans because they don't know what they're doing. It's just because last year's style was was, was the opposite of that. We're just trying to, you know, and even the gaffer after sometimes after games is, has to inform them a little bit. That's how we want to play. Try and keep possession, and inevitably you'll, you know, you'll have more of the ball. You'll have more chances at the other end. And it's a change of culture, Shade. Yeah. In any walk of life, you can't change culture without people objecting or being uncomfortable with it. And it is a not Derby fans. It is a re-education, I think. Mm. Yeah, a re-education of certain players. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Did you? So when the ball was at your feet, you know, in any of your club situations, were you comfortable playing it? Did mm-hmm. you? I enjoyed playing. I actually, I much preferred playing. But different, different. I, I was sort of the end of when it was kind of norm to play it. I was kind of it was just coming into that when I was sort of coming out of and being honest. And I would love to play now. You know, I, I hated just kicking the ball on and 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 what have you. And one because. McGrange after games used to be hanging because you just had to kick it as far as you could and you'd be ice packs in your groins and your thighs basically and, and now it's just because I was quite composed when I played as well I, once I crossed the white line you know it can be quite frantic at times but once I crossed the white line that was my sort of I felt at ease with myself on the pitch and, and, and I could see things before they even happened I could, I could just you know and I would just feel that if I was playing now in the modern game I, I, I would love it like I would love you know, the Ederson position to play and be a sweeper and stuff. I used to be a sweeper, keep people used to say I'm really quick off my line and stuff, but I'd be quick off my line just to clear up the pitch again. Mm. Whereas if if, they, if my defenders at the time would, would be like making angles and stuff, what a then I would, just, I would just be laying it off to them. It would be ah. so simple, you know, but that's the way the game's moved on. And, and I'm not saying, I, you know, it was it was terrible back then and it's brilliant now, but it's just different different times of, of, of the game. Um, Bet365 sent us another one. Again, I think it's reasonably simple. Um, for you, but not for us, because every footballer has dis- different criteria about what they do well. So if I asked you to name your greatest ever save, mm. not only what would it be, but why would you choose it? Hmm. Um, well, it's difficult. I'm not, I'm not a great person of saying I was brilliant at this and that was an amazing save. Or... This is off the record. Nobody's listening. No, no, yeah, just between you turn the mic off. And me. Yeah. Um, That's it. Because uh, I don't know. I mean, probably the one that stands out is... is New, Sunderland v Newcastle so I was at the stadium of light and I made a save up to my left off Kevin Phillips and it was you know obviously you can imagine the derby games up there used to be phenomenal and, and the atmosphere and you know we used to get bust in and even the away fans get bust in we sort of police escorts and stuff and mm. you can imagine the reception you get going into the stadium and, and all that stuff and I loved all that I was like the bigger the game for me the, the better I was like bring it on yeah. do you know what I mean that's, yeah. that's the sort of mentality I had I was like come on and, and, and in that game that's one of the saves but I had about 
I can't remember him, and he had a lot of big saves in that game, but that was the best save that I made in that game. And there was other great saves, but it made like... Technically, reaction? No, it was pressure. a shot just from the edge of the box, and he whipped it, and I've just literally gone full length to my left, step and dive right up to the top, his right hand corner, my left hand corner, my left hand, I just got a finger to it. And it was one of them one saves you make, and you literally landed a yard outside the post or something, and it was like... I went thinking I'm probably got no chance of saving it. And I, I say to the lads even now every day, you know, you can't save with your eyes, and that, that means, you know, you don't look at it on the internet. You, you, you surprise yourself sometimes. You, 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 someone a coach told me when I was 15, you can never save a shot with your eyes. You know, you see keepers and they stand and it hits the net. And Bobby Robson used to say that to me. He goes, son, I'm 72. I can stand and watch the ball going in the net. I want you to die for it. <laughs> and that stuck with me all that, you know, all that stuff over the years. Like, but that was one of them saves. I've literally flew as far as, as, as humanly possible. And I got the end of my finger on my left hand to it. And I just got enough of the ball to go around the post. Do you golf? I do, yeah. Right, well, I'm not a particularly good golfer, so probably your shots are very... But when so you hit not one... Not that often. When you hit one, you know yeah. how you don't feel it. Yeah, yeah. When you, when you click yeah, it, right, right, yeah. Yeah. When you're top corner, when you t- we always talk about fingertips. Yeah. Do you feel it? No, I don't feel nothing. You don't feel nothing. I mean, I remember I think rolling over and getting up, and I sort of give it a bit of a nod. I think it was Kevin Phillips, and I just give it a bit of a nod. Is that like as if to say, is that the best you got? Like with an arrogance and a, and a sort of like, right? And he he at that stage because he he couldn't hit it any better. He was thinking, my God, we're not scoring today. It was one of them days. That, I think some coach said, you, you, you could have saved water today. You were just saving everything. You know, you could have caught water because it's just, it just... You get days like that as a goalkeeper. Of course you do. You get days you're, you're, un, you're unbeatable and that save. And the reason I say that save is because I think it made the top 10 saves of, of Premier League history or something. And that, that's probably why it was, in my head, stuck out as well. But it was it was the derby. It was all that kept a clean sheet. It was, it was a lot to it, you know. It was good. I have to, I have to sort of begin to wrap up yeah. simply because... International transport. You're a busy days. man, you're a busy man. Otherwise, you'd be painting that seat for another <laughs> four or five hours. And you think I'm joking. So that, I want to maybe wind up by giving you a, a choice. Either llamas, guys come in dieta, Tehran, or beating Barcelona at St James's. Llamas, I think, might have been a Christmas present at one stage for Big Duncan. <laughs> um, or, or bought by Big Duncan. Tehran must have been one of the most uh, sort of nerve-wracking moments of your life. Yeah. Guys come in there to a friend of mine and a guest in this series, one of the most upsetting moments of your sporting yeah, life. possibly, yeah. Barcelona. Yeah. Thumping them. Yeah. Play out on this with the choice of anecdote or memory or feeling that uh, bring back. Well, some good ones there, some bad ones. Um, I probably have to say Tehran because... Growing up in Ireland, we mentioned Ireland and Donegal and Lifford, you know, growing up and, and, and sort of growing, growing up being a fan of being the Jack Charlton here and getting the World Cups and European Championship stuff. And, and then to, to win a playoff in Iran, Tehran, it was just like once that final was won because they scored in the 90th minute or something. And if they had got an Orwin, you know, was going to extra time and there was 100,000 male population in the stadium that night, it was carnage. That, you can imagine the atmosphere. There was all sorts going off. In the That's my point. What's that? What's that like? Flying there, arriving. Yeah. The country. I mean, as far and as strange possibly as you've seen in your career. Yeah. The worst I had was that we went in there a couple of days beforehand, and Mick, Mick went to their time straight away. So like later, at different clubs have played in, in Europe and Champions League, and what have you, and we stuck to the local time. No, we stuck to the English time. Sorry. So we went into I don't know, just for example, Barcelona's an hour ahead or whatever. We actually stuck to UK time, but this was like a four or five hour swing. So Mick McCarthy went into their time straight away, and I, the night before the game, I couldn't sleep. I was up at like 
four or five in the morning. I had to go and get the physio to get a, try and get a sleeping tablet. And we're due to go for a walk that morning at 10. Mix told the manager, well, Shay's not got to sleep till five o'clock or something. So sort of sacked the walk off or whatever and, and what have you. But I think just the whole importance of that game, because growing up as a fan and watching the Irish teams and then when they win the games and the World Cups celebrating in the local town, Lifford, like hanging out of the cars with the flags and, and the scarves and the beatings of the horns and all. And, and then to be actually playing now as the best goalkeeper in Ireland and, and the final whistle going off in Tehran to go, oh my God, now I'm going to World Cup finals. As, as, the, as the man, I used to be diving around the garden like Packy Bonner, pretending I was Packy Bonner as a fan. And now... You know, there's probably kids in Ireland thinking they're Shea Given, which is even me sitting here now saying that sounds a bit surreal, but that's the realisation of it. And just that realisation when the final also went, we were actually going to Japan and Korea to, to play play for Ireland in the World Cup finals. That was, there's no better feeling than were that. Were the people chanting boys in green behind the goal? Were there little pockets of fans? There was, there was, there was a pocket of fans, but it was literally, I think it was, I don't know, I can't remember exactly, but 100 people or something. It was lost like a, in 100,000 people. Yeah. Iranians. Yeah, it was crazy. And they were in the stadium five hours before the game or something. And we got off the bus and there's concrete and fruit and oranges and things and warming up before the game. I mentioned. When you say that throne, are you talking about throne or, or what? Or what was concrete and fruit? No, like what? quite a bit of the stadium. It was like an old fashioned stadium all made of concrete. So ah. they must have been pulling bits of the concrete off the seats and all and chucking at us. And then I was warming up and there was these like sort of grenade things. Not a grenade. It was like when I hit the ground, it made this. Like it sounded like a grenade or whatever, going back to Port Mark, some by a gun, but it was that loud. And I was stretching and it made you shake like that. And it was, it was a good 20 yards away from me. I thought, oh, that's all right. And next one's gone away sort of two yards where you're sitting away from me. And it makes a hole in the ground and the dirt hit me in the face. And I'm like, ah, that's like a little bit too close for comfort because if I'd, if I'd have hit you, it would have done, would have done damage, like, you know, and it was... But they didn't know who they were screwing with. <laughs> you were like, like, because uh, you had a big one from Ali Dyer that day. Yeah. People don't remember Ali Dyer, yeah. I guess, but I know, yeah. a billion goals. Well, I had a big save, I talked about Kevin Phillips, I had, I had a massive save in Dublin on the first leg, actually, it was down to my left, the guys threw one on one, and it, it went full length again, down to my left, low, and I managed to keep it out, and had they scored an away goal, then... You know that that goal they did score in the ninth minute. They would have been going. You're, you're they right, would have been going. going and obviously, yeah, yeah. Ali Dali mentioned in the second leg had a couple of saves in the second leg as well. But you know, just as I say, the final whistle went off, and it was just like, oh my goodness. Do you know one of the things about this series? It's joy hearing other people talking about their joys. Yeah, it's really uplifting, and people who are listening are going to enjoy that a lot. And I hope um, so. As far as llamas and, and Barca are concerned, it's going to have to be another day. No. <laughs> Actually, the, the, sorry, I'm going to be going to finish, but the, the Christmas present I got for one of the players was a heart. I don't want to mention his name, but he was... Can I? Well, he might not be happy. It's out there, I mean, so Alessandro Pistoni. Yeah. He, he, uh, we had to get these Santa Claus things. and, and it He was, was overly gentle for an Italian defender. Well, yeah, if I you had argue. any sort of... We always say play through the pain barrier as, a, as an Irishman or, or, or British Isles or whatever politically the right word is, but... If he felt anything, then he would. He would. He wouldn't play, or he had to be a hundred percent. Like, and I don't think I ever played a game a hundred percent. So that's the know. thing I've encountered when I talk to footballers. The thing that they've got least tolerance for is somebody's like, "Oh, I've got a bit of yeah, I know. Like, Many other things can be forgiven yeah. and helped, but oh no, I think not today. You're on your own, lads. Yeah, the crystal players don't get. Yeah, when my hands were freezing in that tractor all them years ago, my dad was saying, "There's nothing wrong. You get on with." Then you, Alessandro, that's what you do. My kick <laughs> Beautiful. Shake given. All right, thanks. Great. A joy. Thanks, man. Thank you.
Hopefully you enjoyed that big interview which was first released as an exclusive to our socios 12 months ago. If you'd like to get these interviews on the first day that they're available, it's time for you to join us to become a socio and for only £2.99 a month, you will get an exclusive big interview plus regular mini documentaries, not only all ad-free but all featuring me and bringing you interesting, funny and sometimes scandalous things from Spanish football. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to unlock our entire archive. That means that once you join, you will have a treasure trove of interviews with funny, elite, interesting, revelatory top-class footballers. By joining us, you will help support this independent podcast. You will help to keep us on the road interviewing people and sending that content for your delectation. If you go to the gym, you'll be slimmer. If you've got a dog, he or she will thank you. If you've got a TV, you can turn it off and listen to this instead.